Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you've done for the chapel. God, help us all realize that we're a part of the chapel, your family. And Father, that you are bringing us to a place to begin to see and to witness the goodness of our Father. God, that as you increase us, God, you, you help us to stretch into new areas and new area of our life. And God, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we continue our series, A Living Dog is Better Than a Dead Lion. The verse that you just saw, anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. We all realize the day that we die, there, there's no second chance. God's grace is sufficient for us here in the land of living. But let me tell you, when we die, there's no more hope. I mean, that's common sense. So we want to make every opportunity and take every opportunity when it, when it presents itself. So this morning, we continue this series. I lost one of my cups here. I want to present something to you of an increased capacity. You know, as, as believers, sometimes people come to know Christ and they hear the goodness of God, and all of a sudden, all they have to do, they think, is show up. But realize, as believers, as children of God, we have to take effort. We have to do more than just show up. That, that, that's above average, just to show up, let me tell you, in some places. But to show up with an attitude of, how can I learn? How can I stretch my capacity? I want you to see this illustration that someone showed me, and I don't know what it'll do for you, but it helped me per, do, get a better perspective. If you are an eight-ounce glass, you know, a lot of us drink cup of coffee out of this, you know, you, this is about all we can handle. But say this is you. This is all the capacity that you have. You know, some people will say, you know, I, I really haven't learned anything since high school. Well, how old are you? I'm 75. Dude, what have you been doing all your life? Well, I can tell you all the kids on Brady Bunch because I've been watching that like crazy. Eight ounce class. If God has provided you with potential and all the things that he has for you and he wants to give you, let's use an example of a gallon to pour into you. Could you hold it? No, because you're only in eight ounce capacity. But as we put effort forth, as we begin to stretch in all areas of our life, as we are in the land of the living, so to speak, as we're breathing, we have hope to increase in every area of our life. In our marriage, prosperous, successful. In, in, in our relationships with each other, in a social aspect, successful, prosperous. In, in our finances, successful prosperous, in our healing, to, to be able to think to ourselves, you know, I can watch what goes into my mouth, you know, oh, that I can go out and walk around the block. I, I have friends that say, you know what, if you ever see me run, and you better run because something's chasing me. You, you, can, you, can, you can run like your pastor. You know, I'm a jogger. I'm a jogger from one mailbox to the next. And then I... <laughs> But I exercise. Not proud of it. I'm kind of like Paul, like a man beating the air when I run, you know. <laughs> Look out. But, but you can do that in your health. You can prosper. You can be successful in all areas. The day comes when you realize, ooh, there's nothing like a... Anybody drink one of these instead of one of these? Huh? You ever go to the store and you get it? 
You, you don't even look down there at that little cup over there. You, you go with the big one. Huh? Can I see all of you people's hand? You're helping me out when you pray. Okay. Well, today I want you to increase your capacity. I want you to begin to think of all areas of your life that you are in right now. Every area. That again, as we know our identity in Christ, that we are overcomers. You, you hear things of the blessings of God on the children of Israel, even in the Old Testament where it says that you'll be the head and not the tail. Can I get an amen that you don't want to be the tail? That you're going over and not under. I mean, you're blessed in the city, blessed in the country. You're blessed going in, blessed coming out. And see, a lot of people have been told, Sh -sh -sh, calm that down. And so we almost feel uh, kind of uneasy to think that we would ever see success or prosper in our lives. Let me tell you, that's not the Word of God. And that's of the devil, and you can quote the pastor of the chapel in saying that. That's a, a scarcity mindset. That's a poverty mindset. That God the Father that loves us... Have you ever thought of this? I'm kind of getting on my preaching. This isn't even in my notes. But let me tell you, it kind of, it kind of gets me sometimes when I think about... Here's God, the creator of the universe, that has created a heaven for you and I, that has streets of gold and, you know, pearl gates. Have you ever thought that God doesn't have a problem with money and wealth? But we do. We kind of get all bent out of shape when we talk about money. But again, in every area of our life that we have the potential of children of God to expand and be successful in those areas. Listen to it again. As long as you are breathing, you have the ability to be successful in those areas. It is whole in all areas. Last week we talked about one, and let me tell you, it's hard to stretch in that area. The area we talked about last week was David submitting to earthly authority that was over him in, an, in, 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 in kind of the picture of a, a king, King Saul, that wasn't very easy to submit to. And we talked about some of you are working for, with people and working under people that are the boss that aren't easy to work with. But again, part of who we are is learning to stretch and being under the authority that God has put over us. Now, now this week we're going to talk about something that... Talk about stretching. It's going to take some stretching on some of our parts because we're going to be talking about our emotion when it comes to anger. Well, hallelujah, nobody got up and left. It's such a debilitating emotion because we wrestle with it. It's so unpredictable and it has so many faces that even an easygoing person can have anger develop on the inside. And today I want you to see that anger is a choice that easily becomes a habit in our life. That this morning as we're stretching and we're increasing our capacity, when we come to the point of dealing with anger, we're going to see how a man of God, David, and how he dealt with it. And how it changed inside of him. His situation doesn't change, but David changes. Now, now this morning I want you to think about this. One man described anger this way. It's a learned reaction to frustration in which you behave in ways you have rather not. In fact, you know, if you think about it, some people say severe anger is, is kind of an insanity when you lose control. 
So when you see people that are angry, you, you know as well as me, if your anger becomes evident and people can see you, it's almost like a temporary insanity where you lose control. If there were crickets in this room, you could hear them at this point. It's all right. I've already preached it to myself several times this week. This is a man, David, that just last week we talked about. (laughs) He modeled being patient under a king that wasn't so easy to be patient with and, and a king that wasn't easy really not to become angry about. But, but in the story today, we're going to see, because of one woman, her name is Abigail, how the situation turns to anger, and then it turns back to peace. All through this message, I want you, if you're taking notes, write down what God speaks to you on these subjects. If you're not taking notes, I want you to be a detective and allow the Holy Spirit to give you a takeaway that you begin to work on this week. It might be something little. But let me tell you, as we increase our capacity, again, it's more than just showing up. It is actually making the choice to do something different than what you did before you came in this morning. Let me give you some background. Here's the basic problem that we're going to deal with in the story. It's between the owner and the employee. Really, David wanted to kill his boss. Now, I know nobody's here with that problem. But we're going to talk about this story. In those days, probably the number one profession was being a shepherd. But the flocks were owned by the wealthy. They would hire people kind of like, you know, the whole John Wayne Western that owned the ranch and then he had all these cowboys that worked for him. That's kind of the, the, the look of the story, except there isn't cattle, there's sheep and goats. Saul's still the king. And in the army are the professional soldiers that are out, you know, defending the kingdom. But in the take, in the in this point of the story, in this day, David is kind of run away from Saul, and Saul would come and look for him. But then there was other times when he would go and fight the other enemies when they threatened different parts of the kingdom. Everybody with me? So here's David, and he's got 600 men that have come from all over the parts of Israel and and, and the kingdom of that time, and they were kind of a bunch of you know, problems. So here's David's men, and he's got a bunch of good guys, but they just have problems. They, they might be uh, in tax problems. They might be, again, enemies of the king, but they start magnetizing to David. They are defending this part of the southern kingdom just out of, really, their own choice. Do, do you hear me? Even though they're running from Saul, even though the reason they're together is kind of to combine and kind of say, Saul can't kill us if we're together and we we keep dodging him. But at the same time, if we're going to be here in Israel, we're going to defend the people of God because they're our people. They're our, our brothers and sisters. So 600 men are living trying to get away from Saul, but at the same time, you don't pick on my brother. So all these rogue tribes, wild tribes that lived in this area would come in and they would just ravish these little communities, little villages, and and everything would be stolen and they would be taken into captivity. Can, Can you just picture the lack of security in people's lives at this time? But it just so happened that David and his men were in this area and they were defending the people of Israel. Now, the custom of the day 
is any time that there was a protector of a flock or sheep or your possessions, when the time came that the owner, the wealthy man, had a, a payday come, like in this story, the man is going to have a day of shearing his sheep. You don't raise sheep for meat, you don't slaughter all of them, but you shear them and the money comes from the wool. So, so this is the time and David is going to come and say, hey, 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 hey. We're 600 men and women and children, our wives, and can, can you kind of give us something for kind of being the protectors? It was the custom of the day. There wasn't no, there wasn't a written law, but, but at the same time, everybody kind of understood how it worked. It was kind of like tipping the waiter or the waitress. It's just something you did. Now, now here's where we're going to go. The anger that we experience in our life is kind of like what the anger is going to come in David's life. It comes out of disappointment. Disappointment is unfulfilled expectations. I thought that you would do this. I, I, I thought that you would understand like me that you would do this. But you didn't. Unfulfilled expectations. See, the problem is, again, being proactive or a complainer. You just heard Chris is one of our habits that we're talking about during the, uh, the eight to great. Here's David and his men. They've been faithfully protecting this man's sheep, and his name is Napal. And he's a stingy man, and he won't pay. Now, now let me get, before I get into the points, I just want to kind of give you some of the characters in the story. The first one is Napal. He, he's a man that, it says in 1 Samuel 25, verse 2, listen how it says it. A certain man from Maon who had property there at Carmel. He was very wealthy. Do, do you hear that little descriptive word there? Very. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. He's rich. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word for wealthy, very wealthy, is heavy. <laughs> He's loaded. He owns 3,000 sheep, sheepies, <laughs> and 1,000 goats. But they call him Napal because of his name. It means fool. Not because he's a simple man. He wouldn't have been very wealthy. He wouldn't have been loaded. He wouldn't have been heavy. But the reason why his name means fool is because a man that does not believe in a God and lives to his own self was called a fool. That he believes in his own heart that there is no God. If you look at chapter 25 verse 3, it says that this man is harsh, meaning he's stubborn. He was evil in his dealings. He was dishonest. If, if you would call up and he was interviewing for a job and you called up for references, you would say, can you describe Naples to me? And here's what the response from the HR department would say. Well, he's demanding, he's deceptive, and he's unfair. Thank you very much. I'm not hiring him. He, he, he was a problem. He was arrogant. Now, the second character in the story is his wife, Abigail. 180 degrees difference. The Bible describes her this way. Literally, it says she had good understanding and a good form. She was lovely within and without. That's a very conservative way of saying that she was very good logical thinking and she was a fox. She was a babe. Woo! She's good looking. How in the world did this guy that was a fool ever land her? Hopefully it wasn't because of his money. 
And we find out that it wasn't. The third person is David. We know him. But in this place, I want you to see kind of a description. He's been doing voluntary police work out in the wilderness. And, and he's been keeping these shepherds in these, the, the possessions of Napal protected. Now, I want you to hear the report that comes uh, back to Napal about David. It says this in chapter 25, verse 15. The men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, or did we miss anything? In other words, they didn't steal anything. I'll take a sheep, or I'll take a goat, you know? No, they didn't do that. It says, we did not miss anything as long as when we went around with them. While we were in the fields... They, they were protective. They were a wall to us both at night and by day all the time we were tending the sheep. David had done a good job. Voluntary police work. I don't have to do that, but this is my people. But the owner of those possessions could care less. I, I could care less what you do. And I want you to see this because the day comes that David hears that it's payday for Nabal. They're gonna, he's going to shear his sheep. He's going to have some money. So David sends, listen to this, 10 young men to tell Napal, hey, do you mind kind of helping us out a little bit? We scratch your back and you scratch ours just a little bit. Instead of, you know, we, we don't understand why David himself don't go. Maybe it would look a little bit intimidating if David with 600 men would have wrote up, hey, think you spare anything for me? Well, sure we could. But he doesn't do that. So David's men go and they communicate David's wishes and, and they wait for payment. But in verse 10, listen, here's the response by the guy that's named Fool. Now again, we're talking about anger. And I want you to see, when you and I get angry, we are looking for an excuse to say, I have every reason to be angry. Put yourself in David's spot. Listen to what happens. Here's Nathan. He hears the good report. David's men comes and says, right. But he responds, who is this David? Now, do you think for a minute he doesn't know who David is? Who is this David who is the son of Jesse? Who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where. He's a real gracious guy, isn't he? Notice how many personal pronouns he has. Mine, mine, mine. You know, like the little kid. Mine, mine, mine. You could say, here is the breaking point. The storm begins to brew. Have you ever noticed that when we're angry, if, it, if, if someone else is out there, we don't really care about it until it gets a little closer to us and then it, it involves us. We have to do something. It's kind of like the hurricane. You know, it's a storm, tropical storm. It, it has to be upgraded from storm to tropical storm to hurricane. And we don't even hear about it when it's out in the ocean as much, but when it starts getting closer to people, then press starts picking up. And then when it gets closer to us, then we're a little bit more tentative. Whoa, a storm, a hurricane. A Harvey. <laughs> I was glad that it wasn't the next storm. What was the next storm that hit Florida? Irma. I was glad it wasn't Gloria. <laughs> because we have a Harvey and a Gloria. 
Now remember, this is a guy that has refused to retaliate against Saul. He's our model. We're going, David, go! But here's another situation. Now, let me remind you what I've taught you many times is the words that we hear change our thinking. And people go, I don't matter. I can filter it. And so many times we can't. Words change our thinking. And when our thinking changes, it changes our emotions. Our emotions, then our choices. Our choices, our habits, our habits, our character, our character, our destiny. A lot of times people that will get promotion will take them to another level way up here that their character cannot sustain them at that level and they'll come back down and almost be demoted by themselves because of their character. And in this situation, again, David's men turn around, they go back to David, and they just report every word that Nabal told him. Have you ever thought in this story that if you were Naples, or if you were David's man and you were reporting what Naples said, how would you do it? Would you say, "Well, he was curious of who you were, and he wasn't real sure that you know he should give you any money. He's really a nice." Or would you go, "That joker back there says he don't know who you are." Some of you ladies might even throw a hip. <laughs> no, he didn't. All right, we're back. Everybody's going, ooh. You, you can see how David's men communicate something that all of a sudden begins an emotion in David. And it would be, if we're not careful, in us. Now remember what I've said is emotions are like gauges on our dashboard. And they show us where we are. With anger, isn't it true that we can go from 0 to 60 in 4.3 seconds just like a sports car? Hello? Remember, you're sitting probably beside your spouse. Hello? You know what trips your trigger, right? Come on now. This is a good time just to kind of not think about, well, I'm glad he's here or she's here. I'm glad, I wish somebody would have been here that I'm thinking of. No, yourself. What is it that throws your trigger in anger that you can go, boom, it's go time. Who wants to be first? Brooke, come on up here. Let me hear. No, I'm kidding. For me, it's mental errors. With my family, you know, I get up in the morning and I look and there's ice cream out on the couch. What? Yeah, I forgot to put that up last night. Oh, 60 miles an hour. Are you kidding me? I'm not going any further on that because I can tell you're taking notes on that one. <laughs> what is it that flips your trigger? Just the little things. Come on now. Here's what David... It, it goes from a storm that's coming to a storm that's a hurricane that's coming out. Because you can imagine, you can see what's going on, but here is not only body language, but here comes the out his mouth. What he says. Watch this. David said to his man, Each of you strap on your sword. Hurricane alert. It's blowing. The winds are blowing. 
Strap on your sword. And, and when we go from walking in love with anybody that's disappointing us, frustrating us, to strap on your sword, it's fight time. The gauges are going off. There's insanity on the horizon. You're out of control. He says this, each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped on his on his as well. About 400 men went up to, with David, while 200 stayed with his supplies. Come on, do you think he's out of control? 400 men to kill one tightwad. I, I think he's out of control. But, but I want you to shut down this scene on the camera and come over here. Now put yourself in Abigail's situation. Here she's at home, and put yourself in her sandals. You know, she's doing her wife job or whatever she does and all of a sudden one of the servants comes and goes there's a problem there's a hurricane blowing out there and it's coming this way and she goes what happened and they tell the story about how David and his men has been protecting him and being the police out and for just a volunteer service really but they've asked for some help and, and your, your husband you know he, he's tough and yeah what he'd say are you kidding me now this lady that is very good at thinking through the problem, which is the problem is here comes David and 400 men and they're going to wipe out all the household. She gets in the kitchen and starts delegating and putting together all this food. I mean 200 loaves of bread, all these raisin cakes, all this good stuff. And she begins to compile it. And I want you to notice that the ranch knows Abigail's wisdom. So they go to her instead of Nabal. That, that's again what I'm speaking over us as believers. People at our jobs need to realize the wisdom of the believer and to the point of being the problem solver instead of just pointing at the problem. See, some people would say, my husband's kind of foolish and I don't like being married to him. You said David and 400 men are coming? Well, I better get in my prayer closet and pray. <laughs> Sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? I'm not downplaying prayer. I'm talking about as a believer, you do more than just show up in the situation and go, well, I'll pray for you. Here, here's Abigail, and, and she begins to get to work, and she cooks all this food. I, I love it that if she would have went to her husband, it would have been probably suicide. But here she is, and she's a problem solver, and she's going to say, peace be still to the situation, to the hurricane that's blowing. Now, now picture this. Here's David, and all his men are coming down, are 400 at full tilt down the road. Their anger is brewing every mile that you see them coming closer and closer. You see their, their testosterone and their adrenaline, and they're getting their sword out, and they're just, ooh, I'm going to get him. She already knows what she's going to do, the practical side of wisdom. Again, as believers, we need to be ready for this. Have you ever sprayed water into two dogs' face that are fighting? Anybody ever done that beside me? I mean, they're going at it. And you know that if you put your hand in there, I don't care if they're your dog or not, they're going to bite you. But if you get a hose out and you go, you know, it's kind of fun. I'll just tell you, it's kind of fun. All of a sudden they go... And they wake up out of their anger. 
That's what godly wisdom does to people that are so insane with anger that they can't even reason at the moment. Here, here comes this good looking lady and she's got a crock pot full of good food. How do you argue with her? But she comes on the scene with David and he's got all his men and they're all puffed up. And she says a few words that just is like taking the air out of a balloon. Ready? She goes, I'm looking at the next king of Israel. Don't ruin your resume by putting a murder on it. And all of a sudden he goes, the Abigail picture's a little late there, but anyway, I appreciate it. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> David says to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to make me. Again, you're talking about a man that has been described as a man after God's own heart. And David takes that wisdom and all of a sudden that anger begins to come down. As believers, may God forever keep us flexible and teachable. Because in the middle of our anger, if we're not careful, we don't even take reasoning. I'm talking about capacity increase in your life. Can I tell you this? I, I don't know what kind of people that you run into or run around with, but being positive in a negative situation isn't being naive, but it's called leadership. And leadership is people that will lead people to the right destination. Anybody can be mad. Everybody can always be just kind of, well, let's just get them. You know what I'm talking about? Well, what are you going to get them? I don't know. We're just going to get them. Come on. Have some leadership. And it looks like David, he just accepts that. And in this picture that you can read and get the verbal picture, he accepts the wisdom and the mission is accomplished, what Abigail set out for. Everybody is a win, 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 except Nabal. The story goes like this. It starts to end and starts to come down with the story that Abigail goes back to her house. David goes back and he's not going to kill everybody. It's a good day. But instead of Abigail telling her husband because he has now had a big party because it's sheer, you know, to shear the sheep day, it says that he know, or she knows that he won't even receive it because he's drunk. So she waits until the morning when the alcohol has gone out of him and tells him exactly what it all inspired the next, that last day. Now, now it says that when he hears it, his heart died within him and he became like stone. He had a heart attack and he died. Isn't it amazing when you do the possible, God will do the impossible? That God says, I, it revenges mine, says the Lord. As I said before, the only time in the scripture that I know of that God says something is his is the tithe and revenge. Uh, th those are mine. Don't worry about that. that. That is part that I've given you that is mine to give back to me. It's mine. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 16, 7, it says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace with him. I love that passage. Again, the story has even a happier ending. David and Abigail. There's a, after Nabal's death and time passes, David sends a wedding invitation to Abigail. 
Why? Because you're looking good. And, and she accepts it and becomes married. And what, a, what an awesome story. That here David in this part of his life chooses not to let anger defeat him and even defeat the whole process of God has for him in going from the pasture to the palace as king. Let me give you some quick lessons and we'll wrap it up. Now again, remember these things as takeaways this morning of the message. Whatever you do when conflicts arise, be wise. Life is too short to argue with stupid people. Again, I've said it a couple weeks ago, but I'll say it again. Nice little owl picture there, isn't it? Einstein said it this way, never argue with stupid people. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Again, if you're not careful, you'll handle them in the flesh and you'll become sorry. You'll do something during that moment of emotional outburst, anger, that you can't get back. Again, we're talking about stretching our capacity, going to another level. If you go from being a, a mayor of a city to the governor of the state, you better be prepared. Here's something that just is so true that we've got to get a hold of it. Ready? Write this down. People don't decide their future. They decide their habits, and their habits spell out their future. See, see what you do every day, the habits of when situations come and you, you act out in anger. That's just a habit, a choice that we make. But today we're working on something to increase our capacity of who we are in God. That as children of God, that we say, you know what, I, I'm going to be able to stretch my capacity when I'm dealing with a nabel, a, a fool, someone that doesn't even believe in God. I can still walk in love. Here's another one. Take each conflict as it comes and handle it separately. See, a lot of times we take the failures of our life and we want to just keep going and we want to combine them all together and that's the reaction. Again, we walk in fear a lot of times in how we handle that. Well, the reason why I got mad and I'm angry is because I'm in fear of all this could happen. Now, now hear me. Because if you're getting mentally tired, you're going to miss something very important here. If you fear, really, you're going to forget everything that you've learned and run. You're just going to get mad and carry on. But, but someone that faces everything in, in, with the challenge of saying, I, I can still get in that situation and not get mad. They'll rise in their success level, their potential. Let me give you one more. Whenever you realize there is nothing you can do, wait. Impossible impasses call for a firm application of the brakes in our lives. I don't know about you, but I, I, I seldom make a wise decision in a hurry. Just flip it. And I seldom have to apologize for something I didn't say. It, it, think about this. 
If we know that anger goes from zero to 60, I mean, something can flip our trigger and we can be mad. Mad. Wouldn't it be better for you just to go and take a little walk around the house? Come on now. I'm just, I'm not talking anything of a psychology or anything, but just practical. If some of us could just take about five minutes and walk around the house, If we just wait, but it's so hard because we, we can't wait to get that next word out in defense of what we feel like. We've been disappointed, but, but today I'm encouraging you to increase your capacity and wait. See, David, you can see, obviously learned this in his life because he said this later in Psalms 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon the rock, making my footsteps firm. We've heard that song. It means a lot to be patient. And I want you to think about this. It never says David's situation changed. It says David changed. When you wait for the situation, you might change. Instead, thinking it's going to change. And here's the thing, is at the end of the waiting, you might find out that the whole reason that the situation came up and you waited was for your training and to increase your capacity. This morning, I want to again, in conclusion, the last thing here is I want you to remember that you were born for greatness. Being sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords puts us in a different way of thinking. Increasing our capacity isn't easy, but it's always rewarding. Our God is faithful to us. Let's, let's pray. Father, you are a loving God. And Father, we know that you are pleased with us, your children. And God, your grace is sufficient for us. You, you have forgiven us for doing things that we shouldn't have done. God, we know that. And we're so thankful that God, that there, we aren't doing things to please you. But God, because of the potential that you put in us, that lies within us, God, we want to use it for your glory. It's God, you said in John chapter 15 that we bear fruit Again, to show men, God, our good deeds that you might be glorified. God, help us in our stretching, expanding our capacity to handle more, to be able to overcome problems in our life and situations. God, that we are world changers, God. We're the light of the earth, the salt of the earth. That God, that we are here for a reason. Put us in the right place to meet the right people to bring about all the things that you have for us, God. God, we're thankful for you. In your name we pray, God. Amen.